0: Around you. look at this we created this this didn't exist before we we're here that's right
1: and it's episode 18 of for our edification thank you for downloading this edition of for our edification i'm eddie francis for our edification is brought to you with the support of the purposeful philanthropy foundation and you can get the podcast on your favorite platform that would be podbean it could be Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and more. And if you want to check out a past episode, then make sure you go to eddiefrancis.com for our edification. So, I had this awakening a few months ago. I checked out this documentary called The Creative Brain, and in it, a neuroscientist by the name of David Eagleman explored how our brains engage in the creative process. Now, he went beyond talking to creatives. Eagleman actually talked to a scientist. He talked to an educator. He also talked to an inventor. And you know what? The documentary had this profound impact on me because I've always looked at creativity as kind of this, um, I guess I can say accoutrement of life or career. I never looked at it as a vital part of what we do. I mean, to me, you did some really important stuff like math or science, and if you were creative, then that was a plus. But creativity, as it turns out, is much, much more than that. So... To really dig into this, I reached out to a couple of friends of mine. The views and opinions expressed on For Our Edification do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the hosts, guests, or any entities with which we are affiliated. Kalila Elliott and Jamal Sterling are hosts of Whatever We Want with J and K. Kalila is the founder and chief disruptor of Gaffer Communications, a firm focused on providing clients with marketing and communication strategies with an emphasis on multicultural marketing and audiences and corporate social responsibility. Jamal, he's an award-winning actor, educator, and voiceover artist. And I met both of these people when I performed <laughs> in a couple of plays at Dillard University back in the day in the 90s, when it was known as the university theater at the-
0: Dillard University. <laughs>
2: and, and you both had a lot more hair, I think, at that point. Yeah, we did,
1: we did. We both had a lot more hair. <laughs> hair you know the salt and pepper actually i guess i can say
2: we all had more hair (laughs) hair,
1: i know we did we did man what's up with y'all
2: nothing thank you for having us on today we're so
1: listen i i so there was this thing that hit me one day i was watching this um documentary called the creative brain Mm -hmm. and the creative brain did this really good job of laying out how creativity Is present in our lives all the time but Mm -hmm. we just don't always see it we don't recognize it as creativity i mean the documentarian talked to scientists and other folks some some people who weren't even in creative fields but what he focused on was how creativity really helped them do their work and kalala i thought of you because um i saw a great interview that you did um uh for dillard uh and and it was uh with one of there was esteemed alumni and you, you, there was some stuff in there. There was some really good stuff in there about creativity. And then I listened to the podcast, you know,
2: our crazy podcast. Yeah, you know,
1: Again, <laughs> against you know, against my better judgment. I listened
2: to. <laughs> um, and it's you not two, for the faint at <laughs> heart.
1: <laughs> but you two, I mean, your conversations about, about film, about stage, about pop culture, about music, everything. It is so funny and so rich and so real. And I'm sitting here going, these two, they, they, they got these brains that just go and they just, and they don't stop, you know. Unfortunately, they don't yeah, stop. I know, right. <laughs> right, 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 right,
2: there's, there's a downside to that. <laughs> there's <is> a <laughs> downside. I thought it would be really
1: cool to talk to you two though, because remembering you from Dillard, you know, your energy, both of y'all got such cool energy. Um And I thought, man, it would be really cool to talk to y'all about the role the creativity plays in your lives. But, but there's this other part. And, 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 and I ran this past Kalila via inbox on Facebook. And I said, you know, but we got an issue in the black community. Creativity is treated as something. And that's pretty whimsical and sometimes even useless.
2: Yes. Yes. And
1: I was like, we got to talk about this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we really, really have to talk about this. So quick story before to to get it all kicked off and this this is the set the table so my mom my late mother love her dearly obviously but she had this thing she was a science and math teacher Mm. and for her (laughs) if I wanted to get a job
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I needed
1: to do something that had some it has a real it, mm-hmm. it, it has it has some real potential in her right, eyes right? right and i'll never forget my mother was asking me about college and what i wanted to do for the rest of my life and i told her i want to be an actor and she said boy you're going to be in a soup line for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> so, so you oh, want to be broke <laughs> yeah. right i know that feeling well yes Right. right. <laughs> and, and so and, and i'm not gonna lie i was mad with her for years over that comment mm. because right. I really, really wanted to be an actor. I mean, mm. y'all y'all saw me when I was yes, performing. Yes, with Dylan. Yes. I enjoyed it. And you were very. great. I was, great. thank
0: you very much.
1: I was. I was. I was
0: the, great. No, but, uh, <laughs> we didn't shout out the Loose Cannons days.
1: Everybody. Oh,
3: God.
2: Okay. Don't get, oh, Loose <laughs> like, Cannons. Jamal Norma's knows the, where the bodies are bur- buried, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You <laughs> the most versatile comedy truth. Yes, oh, sir. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> but... You know what, but I think this is a conversation that a lot of Black folks have with one another, a lot of, especially with parents. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times you have a lot of people who are very creative. They have all this creative energy and it gets doused, you know, unfortunately and unwittingly yeah. when they don't realize that creativity is not just limited to stage. It's not just limited to music. It's not just limited to marketing. It's not just right. limited to PR and all that. Creativity is everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Jamal, I'm going to start with you. You're an educator, um, and I'm going to come right from the hip this one. I mean, as as an, I, I don't think a lot of people think of education as a creative space. Would you agree with that?
0: I think a lot of people a lot of people think of it as a very uh, like a core subjects only, and the uh, electives are like the spice of life, right? Yeah. But really, in in my experience with education, the kids come to school because they want to get on the stage, they want to play the instrument. They want to write the speech. They want to whatever creative space they can, whatever creative art that they're into. That's the reason they're there. Yeah. The other stuff is lang yap. It's like, okay, well, I gotta do, I gotta do math. I gotta do English, but man i can't wait to get on the stage man yeah. i can't wait to play that guitar you know that's the that's the cell that's the reason that they're. yeah running.
2: most kids don't work, wake up in the morning and go, oh my god i get to go to math class today outrebra, that, outrebra, that's, outrebra. that's not <laughs> typically the response for the yeah advocate, but see even the
1: ones know. who do though even the ones who do get excited about math and science There's this creative part of them that really helps them manage Mm -hmm. the math and the science like they they have to get creative about their formulas about figuring out how this problem was. And that's what this documentary just got me so excited about because I'm sitting here going, holy crap, creativity matters to everybody. It right. really, really does. So
0: Our geniuses think outside the box. They're absolutely. always pushing boundaries, right? Right. So exactly. if anybody, when you're writing that speech, when you're, you're doing that equation or whatever, the creative brains come, up, come from, from a different angle and makes their work pop.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. even
2: when you think about like science and technology to your point Eddie, like when you think about the Steve Jobs and the, you mm-hmm. know, and the uh what's his name, the Bill Gates, like that those are creative people. Like they saw a problem that no one else was paying attention to or no one else was speaking to and reached into that the recesses of their mind where that creative space was and was like, "How do I problem solve this?" right? Like even that something that is very tech not, you know, technologically based is mm-hmm. still the the answer is from comes from a creative space. So
1: But, you know, there was a really cool story about um, about Apple and about how Apple had been developing this technology and it was second to none. The problem was the product design was garbage. And so what they did is they brought in artists and they had them do the schematics for the iPhone and, and all the laptops and the desktops and everything. And that's we got Mm. Apple over the top. It was those those sleek designs that they gave all of their tech that made people say, oh, I got to go get me an iPhone. I'm going to stand in this line for five hours. I
2: mean, I will tell you as a marketer, um, I tell people all the time, a former uh, Apple reform, I've been reformed from Apple, but I tell people all the time, their technology isn't better than like Samsung or Androids or whatever. Mm. It's just their branding is better. Their branding is so much more better. So to your point about leaning into that creativity, they recognize we've got a great scientific or tech, technological product, but what? how do we get it into the hands of people? How do we convince people that this is something they must have to now it's to the point to where people are into the cult of Apple, right? right. Just because yeah. of yeah. that branding, yeah. <laughs> Jamal, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> way deep. Trying to get out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's created civil wars and all kinds of fam. Are you an Android user or are you an Apple user, right?
1: Okay, oh, so sorry. I do have this in my house, by the way. So so <laughs> I, was, I was an Android guy. I didn't really care though but my wife she she did this force majeure thing in the house and we all wound up being apple people and i'm like fine my son though is holding out my son god bless this kid he is holding out and he's just like nope no apples I'm, with I'm
2: with him i'm with him i was like Androids, Androids technology and functionality is better but the branding you can't argue the branding of apples so well, at this point,
0: point apple has all of my music it's, not, it's like it's too much i'm too old to to change i can't uh, do it anymore huh oh. but, but 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 think about <laughs> this but think about
1: this so when you look at an apple interface mm-hmm. versus a pc interface or uh, an android interface mm-hmm. apple they have these sleek designs that subconsciously you're sitting here Absolutely. thinking this is this this is better
3: this is yeah, got be better yeah speaking to
2: again the, when you going back to your original point there w- human beings are naturally drawn to um, uh, creativity. We naturally mm-hmm. have that, even mm-hmm. if we are, like you said, even if our brains are, you know, there's the left brain, right brain. So even if you are someone who is more left left brain, you still, you can appreciate a beautiful piece of art, right? Like, even if you don't know how to to, to actually create that piece of art, even if you don't know how to write a script, you're watching movies, you're drawn in, so creativity yeah. has a way, and we, we, of course, are talking about it from, from the perspective of which we always experience it, or generally experience it as artists, but to your point, creativity and expression of creativity is everywhere. I buy fresh flowers every week for myself to sit on the edge of my desk. That's creativity, right? Oh. It's, it's, it's open. Yeah. I mean, it's something I do to treat myself, right? But, 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 I, I use it as a form of expression, right? Like, so while we think of creativity in the traditional sense of like, okay, you're going to be an artist or what have you creativity to your point is all around us. when, when a mom cooks a meal, like if she's creating that recipe out of the top of her head, and I'm saying, mom, it could be dad, whoever. Um, <laughs> Um, that that is an expression of creativity, and I think what gets lost often in a conversation um, is we think it, it we think of it in these very traditional yeah. um, uh, you know silos not silos but these traditional manners in which it's presented to us, and it, it, without realizing you you experience creativity all day every day. In your so, everyday
1: life, so Kalila, you're gonna really feel me on this one, okay? <laughs> I have, I have this joke as a as so, so just so folks know, I mean, I'm the communications and marketing director at Kalila and Jamal's alma mater, Dillard. Um, Aww. and Woo-hoo!
3: <laughs> shout out. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do you
1: so the thing that i always say and i know i'm gonna wind up making somebody mad one day because i keep saying this publicly and i do Good. for a reason we
2: always tell people don't at us yeah, yeah, like,
1: yeah i keep saying this care. publicly and i know somebody's gonna come up to me one day say you know that thing you keep saying you know i, I I'm confusing kind of way about it <laughs> but Kalila, this is what i always tell people about marketing and communications the mistake that people make with us is they see us as the arts and crafts shop they don't see us as a strategic arm. Yes. They don't see us as a strategic business arm. Yes. So everybody comes to us like, oh, where's the marketing plan? And he's right, right, right. like, well, you know what? Here is coming right out my butt. <laughs> plan. Since you asked me for it five Oh, Eddie, you are preaching my language right now. <laughs> but what people don't understand is that the creative part of marcom, the creative part that's the result of the strategy come
2: on that,
1: that's the result of well, it is it's not the, the people
2: everywhere like yes preach brother preach <laughs> yes it's the just- creativity flows from the technology going back to the apple model right mm-hmm. you start with whatever the technology is or whatever the science is or whatever the academic you know intellectual thing is and you have so we before we started this call i was like so who's your target audience it, just trying to put these pieces mm-hmm. in place to understand who are we talking to so you lay out all these technical things and then you can sit back and go okay from a creative space now now let's think about well what will that audience respond to what where where do they like like all of that flows out of starting from so it's so interesting i'm going back to what you were saying about where your mom's feelings not unlike my parents i'm sure jamal could talk about this not unlike every artistic kid for the most part there's always the exception but most artistic kids i think in particular in our community in the black community have this this panic Right. Yeah. The minute you tell your parent, I want to be an artist, yeah. every black parent goes, oh, my God, right? <laughs> <laughs> every parent has that. And I think it's because of a, a not understanding, a, a lack of understanding about how the creative part of that work comes after yeah. all of the, the foundational stuff. Jamal can talk about this as an actor. You know, people just see the the finished product. They don't see all the labor that he puts into right, yeah. The craft. yeah, the craftsmanship. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, so it, it's the it crazy is funny because one of the things that that the documentary said was you know creativity solves problems. Um and Jamal, I'm gonna take you back. I'm gonna take you way back.
0: Uh-oh, uh oh.
1: JD Jackson.
0: v so v. You, you gotta say it right. The v. JD v. J. Jackson? So <laughs> v. J D
1: Jackson. So so for me, so for people know. Um, there was, <laughs> there was this play I did, um, at Dillard. <laughs> it was called Shades of Grey. Shades of Grey. One
0: boot, one blue stage ever. manager, J.D. Jackson,
1: <laughs> I know. So it was, it was Shades of Grey. And I'll never forget, J.D. told me something that really made me realize the power creativity can really have. And, and he, and it was, it was kind of freeing actually, but I remember I was up and I was doing a part of the play and I'm doing it and I'm doing it. And J.D. says, Eddie, you're holding back. And I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, man, I'm, not, I'm, I'm good." He said, "No, no, no." He said, "I'm not getting." He said, "I know something is something else is there. I need to see more." And so he said, "I would rather you give me too much, mm-hmm. so that I can just Pull go ahead and, and peel back <laughs> some layers, rather than you not give me enough and I have to give you layers." Yes. And I have used that repeatedly throughout my career um, when it comes to coaching people, working with people and all of that good stuff but the thing about it is that and 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 is it it made sense to me later on and and i want you to comment um jamal about the process part of acting people see people see the finished product of acting they look at the movie they see what chadwick boseman did they see what denzel did and they're just like, oh, he good, right? right, right, right. <laughs> so, but they don't see the actual process, which is a process. I mean, right. there is a little bit of science to it when it comes to developing a character. They don't see the psychology. They don't even see that there might be a hint of sociology in developing this character. So talk, I mean, talk about what that process is like, Jamal, because you are a working actor.
0: It is a, a thousand percent investigative. And uh, and oh, I come wow. from the school of JD Jackson as well. And I've been on the same side where JD's like, nah, man, it needs to be more this is this is a dude. It's funny, JD seems like he's way older than us. He's like one or two years older than me, and you're older than him, right? I'm older than JD. <laughs> That's what took <treated> me <laughs> out. I was <laughs> like, hold on, but he, like, he has oh, this wisdom about him to tell he's me how to do that he's <laughs> always right.
2: like
1: hold, hold on, little hobo. You're
3: to
2: do my fizzle. I know what <laughs> I I'm I- doing. Right but now, I'm sure was, everybody in the audience is like, who's J.D.
0: Jackson? Oh, They're JD, like, Google. <laughs> so J, Google J.D. Jackson. He is a, uh, right now, he is uh, one of the best voiceover artists in the game as far as uh, doing voices uh, doing voiceovers for books. So uh, the uh, what do they call it? Audiobooks. So J.D. and audiobooks are a gigantic thing. He's also a brilliant actor. Yes. Uh, yeah. A bunch of TV, done a whole bunch of films and stuff like that. But um, he, his process is something I hold on to this day is that exhaust every single possibility. Yeah. And I don't think this just goes to your point, Eddie, this doesn't just go for theater, it goes for life. Mm-hmm. Like when I come to teach my students, I have backup plan amongst backup plan amongst backup plan because you exhaust every possibility because you don't know what you what you'll need when. Right. Same thing when developing a character. You exhaust every avenue. Where'd this character come from? Who are they? What are their parents like? What's their socioeconomic status? Yeah. You know, you, what type of shoes do they wear? What do they, what, what they hang out? At? What park do they go to? Is these things that like right now I'm going to, um, I'm going to take, I'm gonna take a drive up to Tulsa in about a week for a character I'm about to play. I'm just going to drive up there because in the play, they do a drive to Tulsa and see a gigantic McDonald's. I want to know what that feels like, you know, mm. so you so when you're when you, so as an actor, you're not coming from a place of always making things up. sometimes they become lived truths because you put yourself in that lived truth. so it's a it's and to go back to creativity, it's these I imagine Steve Jobs when he first gets the idea for the iPad or the iPhone and thinking, okay, what are we want this device to do this? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure how do we? How do we make sure we exhaust every avenue to see we prototype this device? How many levels of prototype they go through to make this perfect product? So it's not just a, oh, here's the iPhone, figure it out. It's a year long, years long labor, maybe you know decades long labor. Same thing with developing a character. It could be a six month to a year to two year. You look at somebody like Chadwick Boseman, uh, what was the last movie he did? Was uh, it Ma Mar- Rainey's Black Bottom? Rainey's Black Bottom. That was literally... A lifetime in the making. They got mm. stuff, Felicia Shah talking about him doing that monologue back at Howard. Yeah. Wow. You know? yeah. So, literally, all his life, mm-hmm. he's been building little pieces mm-hmm. to make that character, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's just, it's just, uh, I've been talking for a very long time. No, 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 no. no. I no. Gonna, if I could good. just but tag into that.
2: that. But if I could just jump in here, Jamal, and just add to that, not to mention, if you want to go back even further to August Wilson's writing of that work. Right. Yeah. And how long it took him to be able to pull that character out. It writing this 10, you know, ten, it yeah, out. It out. Absolutely. Somebody like
0: August who didn't become a great, well, he wasn't known until his late forties, early fifties, Right. You know? Right. So mm-hmm. that thing had been boiling up for over 40, well, you know, 30, or 40 years yeah. before yeah. he had, he creates his masterpiece. You know? yeah. it's, it's,
1: it's almost like, if you know, people who, who do track and field, they train forever for a race is going to take ten seconds.
2: That's right. Right. That's right. <laughs> you know, We're watching people about, right now trial ten, for the Olympics and ten seconds if yeah. it goes well.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know. I, yeah. I can't think of time right now, but you know, I'm, 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 it takes them all that time. It takes them all that time to mm-hmm. to, run, to. When I was so I used to be the PR director at uh, at Suno at Southern University in New Orleans, and mm-hmm. part of what I did as well was I did sports information. So I spent a lot of time around the track and field team at Suno. Mm. And to watch them prepare mm. so long for one mm-hmm. run, mm-hmm. one, one, yeah. and to watch them. And I remember, you know, a lot of them were Jamaicans. And I remember this brother who was like the assistant coach. And I remember watching him get so technical with the, with the runners, you know, and he would say, he's like, no, man, no, man, what you did there, that was rubbish, man, no, no. Poke your butt up out of the blocks, man. Make sure, no, man. This is horrible, man. Look at your stance, man. I mean, and he was so technical with this one dude because he saw that if this one runner did it right, he could mm-hmm. blow the competition away. Right. Mm-hmm. But the technical part took weeks. I mean, right. weeks. And <laughs> I think build, that's build, a build big hat.
2: Yeah, I think that's the piece that a lot of people miss. Whether it's parents who are trying to understand their children who have these artistic tendencies or what have you, is there's an assumption that create that if you are a creative person, and everyone is creative in some respect, but if you are someone who specifically is creative in an artistic space, that you just that it requires no effort right that is right. just you're playing around basically right. is the thought right, right. like this right. is not right. really work right? right versus I mean Jamal can tell you if he's preparing for a show he'll spend hours with the script on a oh, daily yeah. basis to get it to yeah. where it needs to be so right. Think the greatest of Stevie Wonders
0: five albums in the 70s you know those are those are you, they're crafted of yeah. years it's so yeah. much work yeah. and if, I think another thing that we lose sight of with great artists or artists dedicated artists is that this is something they do if they weren't getting paid for it. They should be. getting mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. But it's it's like it's something Prince had to make music. Right. Mm-hmm. He had no mm-hmm. choice. His body, yeah. like he, that's what he is. You know. So I think I think that's another thing that gets lost upon when you, when parents are like, "Oh, I'm worried about my child. If a child is really an artist or if they're really that
2: creative, they're gonna have to do it anyway." There's no they, way you're gonna stop. They them. won't be able to function anyway. It's it's right. it's it's basically like telling a bird don't be a bird. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah.
1: how, how
2: do I not be a bird? <laughs> right.
1: You know. Yeah. The, so that that really that that really explains something that I saw often when I worked in radio. Um, because in radio, you would see these artists. By the way, you're listening to the uh, For Our Edification podcast. Kalila Elliott and Jabal <laughs> Sterling are my guests here. Uh, they're the hosts of uh, whatever. <laughs> I keep thinking about Tony, 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 whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway. Whatever we want.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why Jamal always mis- rem- misremembers the I'm name like, of our show. We always do it. Want, yeah, he always struggles when we're doing our <laughs> intros. It's like it's whatever we want. Jamal, it's your show. I can't remember the name of whatever. your show. Maybe that's where he's. Maybe that's why. Maybe he's remembering that Tony, Tony, Tony song. <laughs> you, you know what?
1: Uh, Jamal has a problem. Anyway, so. Yeah, some, <laughs> some, some, some. But um. But it, 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 really, um, it really brings me back to this, this whole notion, Kalilah, of, of people you know, taking a look at what we do in marketing and communications. They look at the creative part, but they don't realize that we work, we work a lot to get to that creative part. I mean, there's right. a lot that goes into it. But you know, what I was about to say before is I used to always, when I was in radio, I remember I would look at these artists. And I would look at them, they would come to the radio station, they would be on the downside of their careers, doing these interviews, trying to, trying to get something sparked yeah. up again. And you're sitting there going, man, I really, I really want to see this artist come mm-hmm. back alive. But what's wrong? Yeah. Well, working in radio, one of the things that I found out was they basically got into these contracts where it was creativity on demand and it yeah. just didn't work. Nope. And that's what happened with Prince, you know, because he had this contract with Warner Brothers right? and they, you got to do so many albums. You have to do right. it. At, at, you have to be done by such and such a deadline. And anybody who knows a musician knows that if the creativity, if if the inspiration doesn't hit them right, they are right. not going to come out with a good product. So to tell them you have to have a new song by next week, you know, let's say July 5th, you have to have a new song by next week if they are not getting that inspiration, that new song is not going to come. And it's not going to be the hit that the debut was because back then they were taking their time with stuff. Mm. But now you have them on this tight timeline Mm -hmm. and you're trying to give them a business goal and you're trying to make the business goal happen on a creative, on a very tight creative schedule. Mm -hmm. And, And that happens a lot with these artists. And when people start saying, why would, why were albums one through five were the bomb mm-hmm. Albums six through ten were just straight garbage but they kept making it and it was horrible and that's what happens a lot of
0: times you know yeah, you guys, can't
2: force creativity yeah, you can't you force can. it that's the, what, that's the, that's, the, that's the downside
0: to what's it what's the saying they have that you have forever to make your first hit album yeah. you got like a year to make your second <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and that, that is pretty much how it works so So let let me let me shift gears on something, because um, we were we were having a meeting, um, you know, at work and um, we were talking about we were talking about creativity in this meeting. And one of the things, uh, you know, that I said, because the meeting was kind of dragging and my Mm -hmm. boss was going, okay, you know. I want everybody to really own your space and I want everybody to really reach that creative part. Now I understood what he was saying, but I don't think the rest of the team understood what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were thinking of creativity in terms of arts and crafts. Right, yeah, right, 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 right. But what he was saying was come up with solutions and go a different way. You know? right.
2: Think outside the box, right? Outside the box. He was trying to say that. Use a different part of your brain.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I suggested to them was, and I think I scared the bejesus everybody when I said this, <laughs> I said, you know, I think one of the barriers to creativity is imposter syndrome. If you don't think you belong in the room, yeah, there's no way you're going to take a risk.
2: A thousand percent Preach, right. Pre- yep.
1: You're not going to take a risk because you're sitting here going, if I take a risk and I get it wrong, yep. everybody's going to think I'm worthless.
2: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <sighs>
1: I mean, Jamal, have you ever had a point where you were really afraid of a certain role or or doing a certain thing in a role and you had to tell yourself, Jamal, you got this. There's a reason you got the part.
0: But okay. Oh, early on don't make me hate you man
2: <laughs> it's like no that's never happened to <laughs> me I'm, 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 digging, I'm digging deep
1: do not oh. go full beta 5 alpha <laughs> so, on me <laughs> so.
2: so listen listen, listen.
0: <laughs> really <N-R-D? No>. anyway <laughs> uh, early on when I was living in LA mm. I was obsessed with the show ER obsessed it's to this day one of my favorite shows and I had a horrible agent a, ter- a terrible agent won't say his name here. Anyway, <laughs> I've been trying my beating down these doors. Cause I was like, it's the last season of ER? the last season. I was like, man, I gotta, get, I gotta get on this show. So finally through digging, I get to call, Hey, you got an audition for ER one scene with Noah Wiley. I'm like, yo, I'm so mama, I, made it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, I don't believe this. And I, I got, so I did the original audition did great. Got called back as me and three other dudes. And I walked into the room. The creator of ER was there. And then I don't remember anything else. Whoa. I walked out of the room. I blew it big time because the minute I walked in that room, I was so shook, and I was like, "Man, I've, I've reached this dream." And then, and, and something inside of me, my body's like, "Yeah, but you're not ready. You're not supposed to be here. You know, you've, you've seen this show. What well, right do you have to be on this show? You know." So I literally, I mean, quite honestly, I walked into that room and when I tell you guys, I honestly blank and do not remember. I remember walking out of the room and going, dang, mm. you know, because you, you put so much pressure on yourself and there's been a goal and you feel like, you know, I've seen Eric LaSalle, I've seen Makai Pfeiffer, I've seen Omar Epps, you know, I've seen all these dudes I've looked up to and I'm like, and it was a part of me, the 20 year old me was like, I'm not them dudes, mm. I'm not them dudes. And it took me leaving L.A. and then figuring out why I do this, you know, because I don't do this for, this is going to sound really strange and artistically, I don't do it to be on TV. I honestly don't. I don't do it. I do it because I have to do it. I do it because I want to tell stories. And once you have that security in yourself and once you get get grounded in what this means to you and what's really important in your life, you get back in those rooms again is nothing so when I made it when I do an episode of Dallas it's like yeah this dude I'm acting against yeah he's he. everybody knows who he is I, I should be in a room with this dude and I think that's the the biggest the biggest barrier to me in my career early on was feeling like I belonged mm-hmm. and now I belong yeah. <laughs> you so, best so, believe I belong so let me
1: let me go back to something you said really quickly you said I have to do this what does that mean
0: I wish I knew <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> the thing is, is that you, you can ask Kay, who's been around me all during the pandemic. When I'm not on stage, mm. it's, it's it's not good. It's that bird is I'm a bird, and I'm I have to be a bird. Right, thing. I'm like, not it's, doing yeah. right. It's, mm. it's, I'm I'm not doing what I was intended to do. There, there's you know, there's some dudes you see who's like you put Stevie Wonder in the studio, he's gonna do one thing. There's mm. certain dudes who, who 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 build stuff. There's certain dudes you put it. I got a student. Who when you put him in front of a car, this kid in other classes cannot do anything. You put that boy in front of a car and he's found what God has intended him to do. Wow. Right? Wow. So that's that's just what it is. You know, I can't, I wish I could sometimes. Oh, some days I wish I could. Yeah. Yeah, But I can't. I can't. It's funny because I think
1: I think that's what this podcast is for me. Like I have to do this. Right. Because radio just got into my blood. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I knew I wasn't going to be doing theater. I knew I wasn't going to be doing movies, but I had to express myself somehow. Yep.
0: yeah. And anybody it. who heard you back in the day knows Yes,
2: that you were made, you were built for I that. mean, listen to your <laughs> voice. I mean, <laughs> right. how could you not? You You're a communicator. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, just, Thank I you. just wanted to jump in here. <laughs> I just wanted to jump in here, too, and say, I think there's another side to this coin, which is mm-hmm. so we're talking about this, um, I mean, I call it divine purpose, which is I, I believe each and every one of us has a divine order, destiny, a purpose on this earth. We're supposed to do certain things. And I think for like, in, in the case of Jamal, if you've seen Jamal, you know, there's no question. He is meant to be an actor. He's meant to be an educator. Like he's, he is great at those things. He understands his craft and he understands how to teach other people about the craft. Right. But yeah. I think there's a, there's another side to it. <laughs> Look, this is nice <laughs> as I'm going to be to you for the rest of the week. Okay. <laughs> but there's another side to it, which is, so there, there's the, there's the, there's the creative who feels this sense of I have to do this because I don't know how to do anything else and then there are creatives and I'm like this who can do a lot of different things and so you sometimes can suffer from analysis paralysis this sense of I can do a lot of things well what am I supposed to do right like because Jamal and I went through the same you know theater training program he, he and we acted together he can tell you I can hold ch- I got decent chops oh, right she, but she, she's a bitch a right? mm-hmm. I mean I would go that far but I, I, I might but, I, but but I was like Like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And it it took me time to figure out that while I am a communicator and while I am an artist, how I actually, you know, perform in that way turned out to be different than when I thought I actually realized oh I'm meant to be a producer I'm meant to be on the back end and be doing a lot of the you know the the business side of this work and it can be hard because that's not something that's seen as creative but right. it is right yeah. and so a lot of times it's the flip side to that is figuring out if you don't have a concrete definitive I'm a bird but I know I'm a creative like I know I'm an animal but what kind of animal am I <laughs> right like, <laughs> mm-hmm, so there's mm-hmm. the other part of that understanding that creativity going back to our earlier topic goes beyond the obvious I'm going to produce a piece of art you know or a vision a, a performance right it can be that you are adding you are creatively expressing yourself through another you know means so
1: and and, of- and and and, yeah. and Kalele, it's, it's almost as if you know creativity takes a lot of fearlessness too and it's it's almost as if like going back to your, your animal reference it's, it's, it it could be scary to try to figure out what kind of animal you really are. You're like, oh, am I yes. a bird, am I a dog? <laughs> I'm a chupacabra. Yeah,
2: a, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chupacabra. And that's exactly what the process feels like too. Like, I thought I was a bird. I'm not a bird. I'm a dog. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Now you're telling me I'm a caterpillar. What am right. I today, Lord? <laughs> exactly.
1: You know, he's like, nah. You know what? I'm an animal that doesn't exist. I'm a Bigfoot. Well, Bigfoot do exist. I don't know, but I right. am that. You know. So it's so so so. Kalila, in in your line of work. What's it like to have to talk somebody off the ledge, though, when you have somebody who gets to that to that point where they kind of stall creatively Mm. and you're sitting there going, well, the reason we're working together is you Mm -hmm. can do this and you have done it. I mean, what's it like to have to really get really have to pull something out of somebody so they can do what it is that you know they can do?
2: absolutely and you know what I would say this goes even beyond the creative space I think just as I mean Jamal and I are both people who mentor particularly younger people um and I think but even outside of that we just often find ourselves in position positions of kind of like I don't want to say authority but leadership right you find yourself yeah, yeah, as like absolutely. a de facto leader even among your friends sometimes they come to you for advice and so I think it is honestly it starts with knowing yourself I don't think you can um I don't think you can speak into other people's lives when you don't really truly know who you are Jamal. Jamal and I, Jamal can tell you, we talk a lot, but he made a transition a few years ago, a couple of years ago to working, to acting full time. Right. And that meant reducing right. his, his, um his work as an educator. We had a conversation about that. Like literally he called me up. I was still in New York at the time. He was like, listen, friend, I'm struggling. Right. I, I can't, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> and I was like, so we had a conversation about it. Right. As his friend who knows his talents and his gifts, I was like, bruh, Talk to your wife, make sure y'all y'all good on that front in yeah, terms of financially. Yeah. But if you can't sleep at night, not doing what you know, if you know you are a bird and you're not flying, then you gotta you gotta push yourself, right? And yeah. so what I appreciate about appreciated by him in that moment, and what I appreciate about our friendship in general, and this and to, um, to get to your point is I think part of of being able to mentor people or encourage them is honestly being solid in yourself. He wouldn't have called me if my life was a mess, right? He would have been like, Hey, I need some advice. No, I'm not pursuing my dreams. I'm not pursuing my passion. And so I think you can speak from a place of authenticity and speak, you know, and encouraging people when you are truly pursuing what you know you're supposed to pursue. So now we have a lot of creative conversations. I mean, the, the podcast literally came out of us having so many conversations about so many things going and people telling yeah and people and people telling us we we didn't think of the podcast literally people were like y'all need a show yeah y'all need to record
0: this y'all need to be (laughs)
2: recording this right and so and and honestly it came out of it came out of people observing our debates and our discussions because we're hilarious when we fight but um but also people hearing that there's a lot of there's love and there's friendship at at the core of it all. And so I, I I go back to that. So whether you're talking to young people or whether you're talking to your, your friends, you've got to speak from a place of authenticity. People don't follow people who don't actually live out what they're encouraging you to do. So Mm -hmm. don't tell people be creative, take a chance, pursue your passion. If you've never done that, you can't, you really can't do that.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, And it's it's really interesting. I I was having a conversation, well, a name you would both recognize, Dr. Mona Lisa Saloy. Uh (laughs) Mona Lisa Saloy. Yeah. So I was having a conversation (laughs) with her uh, because, you know, there's a, you know, we rolled out a podcast that Dillard called Conversations on the Oaks. And so I had a conversation with her about national, about poetry. It was national poetry month. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things I asked her was, why is creativity so scary for people? And she said, there's no safety net. and, it, and and, and I, see, I see what she means. I mean, if I want to be a salesperson and I'm really good at selling stuff, I'm going to have a job. I'm going to have a job. right? If I'm the salesperson who decides that I'm going to be a music artist because every day and every night I'm thinking of music and I'm always tapping on my piano and I'm sitting there going, I have an idea for a song. Wait, I got another idea for a song. Right. But I can't dedicate any time to music because I'm on the road as a salesman all the friggin time. Right. There's no safety net in in music that, like there is in sales when you know you have a, a check coming and you have commission coming. Right. You know, and you got another job around the corner if you need it because everybody needs salespeople. So.
2: But can I just jump in uh, here you know, and tell you, it's, but I, I
1: think that's scary, that, though.
2: It is, but can I just say, that's the illusion. Ah, That's okay. the illusion that we've been taught is that, that. something go, like sales go. is, is go, easier. Go, and go, here's Kalilah. why I say that. <laughs> I told Jamal this years ago. The reason I actually actively chose to not pursue acting is because it took me, not too long after graduating from Dillard to go. So you mean, I got to go on auditions. I got to buy, I got to do headshots. I got to go classes. I got to get in front of agents. I've got to continually convince 80% of, of acting. If, if this is what we're talking about, acting in this context is marketing yourself. Mm -hmm. that's what they don't tell you Mm -hmm. you we spend so much time focused on the art and the craft which of course you have to but there's a business aspect to being a creative and so the the common misconception is is that it's easier to do sales or it's easier to do something like that when in fact and 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 it is if that's your gift if that's Mm -hmm. your Mm -hmm. talent right there there's space for that but there's this idea this that somehow being a creative is a scary thing and it's most often scary because we don't generally know people who who are in that space and who've done it and we can look to for advice and, and a romance especially in our community right because I know when I graduated from Dillard I remember my first job outside of Dillard was working at uh, the Phoenix airport right and I was antsy and I was ready to get into something creative and I will never forget my great-grandmother my great-grandmother messaged me and said you got a good government job baby why why, do, why do, <laughs> because in her mind i've got a job with i've got a stable steady income stick mm-hmm. it stick with that employer and ride it ride it out right without understanding that there's risk even in that cuz yeah. literally within 2 years of that 9/11 happened right yeah. Yeah. so so i say that to say it's it's mm. that is the that is a good talking point that we have all with especially within our community bought into that you can't make a living living as a creative it's scary out there as a creative when it's scary anywhere listen we just came off of a pandemic prior to that we were we, we dealt dealt with a, a crash the the crash of folks who are working in the financial industry yeah. nothing is safe and solid right there's no guaranteed path so why not do what you know you're supposed to be doing
0: but yeah. for me it's the scarier thing is working in something for 20 years that's outside of your path heck yeah yeah. I mean like no no distant but like I remember when I was in LA one of those horrible jobs I was working to the gap in the middle of the night I worked at, I stock shelves the gap in the middle of the night and took auditions in the daytime yeah. you don't talk about a nightmare
3: <laughs> yeah. nightmare is like I'm not
0: not no distant to the gap you love the gap right. you yeah work, you yeah, yeah the, absolutely that's your, gift, that's your gift but for me it was like what is going on this is I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. that's the nightmare that's the yeah. that's the scary part
1: well, but but okay, so you if you talk about people in other disciplines, I mean, you know, so let, let's talk about business people. Let's talk mm-hmm. about somebody who was a manager at a place like the gap. Right. And they say, you know what? This is my space. And and I'm not gonna just be a manager here, mm-hmm. I'm gonna become a regional yeah, manager.
0: That's right. the divine purpose. That's I, right love, I said earlier.
1: I love retail. I wake up every day and I think about what the displays are going to look like i wake up every day and i think but even that's a
2: risk because that business can go out of out of business tomorrow (laughs) so we think that those are guaranteed jobs and guaranteed industries Mm -hmm. when in fact everything is is up in the air anything can happen at any point if we have learned anything in the last year it's that anything can happen so are you going to pursue that which feels safest to you and i'm listen Jamal just got through talking about the job he had. I've talked. Listen, there are times when, as an adult, you have to make the responsible choice and do what is safest. Yeah. <laughs> We're not saying be, you know, don't don't take quit care your job, y'all. Right? Please don't quit your job. <laughs> but you do. <laughs> what you. But you do need a plan. You need to figure out a plan to be able to figure out a way to be able to move into your purpose most people don't even think about it, if your purpose is to be a doctor you don't just walk in there and start doing surgery you actually have to start making a plan go to school yeah. get training all of those things working in a creative space is no different you have to have a plan to develop yourself and truthfully and, and i know i've been talking about but truthfully the other thing i will say too is um for there's also this question, and Jamal says something really important at the top, which is his goal was not to be on TV and to be famous. That's what yeah. a lot of people think about when they think about creatives, right? Yes. They think if everybody doesn't know your name and can't Google your IMDb and see that, and your grandma didn't <laughs> see you on the billboard in the middle of Hollywood and on television, then you're not an artist, and that's just not true. And that's part of the deception and part of the challenge that we have in trying to get people, uh. convincing people that they can pursue their passions, is they think if they're not making a big money and they're not, everybody doesn't know their them, then it's not valid and if you can't get past that you will not be able to be a successful creative
0: amen girl amen <laughs> you, you in my language yeah yeah
1: and you know and the, and the, and the point i was going to make about somebody who loves retail is they love it so much it really brings something creative out of them you right, know absolutely. that that even somebody in the financial industry i yeah. mean they they find that creative part of them that's why they love finance Mm -hmm. so much because they can create solutions. They can find a different way to do things. Um, It was really funny. So with me, it was really funny because I worked in radio. I did radio for about 20 years. I actually got to a point where I hated it. I was just like, this isn't working for me. You know, it's not, it's just not, it's not working for me. So I made this crazy, you know, step leap of faith transition to public relations. And I actually wound up falling in love with higher ed. And then I fell in love with doing PR and marketing in higher ed. And then I got to Dallas, you know, and I did more of it right there. Things didn't work out for whatever reason. I jumped to recruiting and I was like, oh God, you know, so now what? Now I got to learn a whole new industry. I don't even know if I, I don't know if this is where I need to be, if this is where I want to be, but I found a creative, I found myself creatively in recruiting. Um, so I fell in love with doing resumes and, and helping people with their <laughs> resumes and so the thing that I learned was okay I have to be- because creativity is so important to me I have to find where I can hit my creative stride no matter what I do right but I also know there are certain places that aren't going to work for me and I remember when I was looking at recruiting jobs at one point there was a really nice recruiting job in a financial sector and I was just like no, that's, <laughs> not gonna work. that's I'm like, I'm like that, that is not going to work. That's going to be, I'm, I am I feel like I'm going to be watching paint dry mm-hmm. if I, if I work mm-hmm. in the financial sector. Mm-hmm. Um, And then it was working in, in math and sciences. I'm working in a STEM field as a PR person. And I'm going, no, nah, no, nah, because I remember working with those doggone STEM professors and nope. Right,
3: right, <laughs> and right. so,
1: and so what happened was, is that I got back to new Orleans, the opportunity at Dillard came available and I really, really, really wanted to be a Diller. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. really. Like I, I remember I told somebody, you know, even though I have a lot of friends at Diller, uh, even though I've known, you know, President Kimbrell, I've known him for about 20 years or so. Uh, my boss, I've known him for about 30 years. So I knew I knew the people there. But the thing that I remember telling folks was I had to explicitly tell them in the interviews, I want to work here for the long term you got me. If you hire me, you got me for a long time. And I say all this to say that I learned that doing PR and marketing and higher ed really helped me reach a very important creative place in me. And, Mm -hmm. but it also satisfied another side where I started asking myself, well, you know, I know the PR side really well. I need to figure out the marketing side a lot more. And, Mm -hmm. and, that really got my brain in a different place, you know, where I started to go more into business and started to understand the business aspect of what I was doing a lot more. And so my message to people in saying this is, at one point, I loved what I was doing. I lost the opportunity and I just, I didn't feel creative. Even though I found my creative stride in recruiting, I didn't feel satisfied. I didn't feel fulfilled. You know, I just wasn't fulfilled. But when I got back into PR marketing and higher ed, I started feeling fulfilled again and I kept telling people, you know, hold on to that feeling, hold on to it and mm -hmm. don't ever, ever, ever take it for granted. Right. (laughs) Because being out out of higher ed, it it got on my nerves. It really got on my nerves. You
2: you said something, though, in there that I find especially interesting because this is something that for me is a a must in any work that I do. And you mentioned that the marketing aspect of the work that you do is not something that you had done a lot before. And for me, whether I'm taking on a new project with a client or if I'm in a job, I always know when it's time to go when I stop feeling challenged. So I actually mm-hmm. like to be in spaces. And I think that's something that most creative people, they like to be in spaces where they're yes. constantly growing and learning and evolving. The minute you stop learning, it's like, well, why am I here? Like, I'm not any good to you mm-hmm. because I'm not growing and learning. And 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 that's literally how creative, how you get to be able to produce creative works is constantly expanding your worldview, constantly, you know, being introduced to new ideas, new people, new you know. And so the idea of, I don't, and I think to your earlier, point about imposter syndrome, I think that's what people miss is they don't see a lack of knowledge of something as an opportunity. They yeah, see it I, yeah. as an obstacle, right? Like they see it as I, I can't do this because I don't know how to do this. Well, that's, that's the fun part, right? That's where the creativity enters yeah. because now you get to explore and see and learn new things. So for me, that's always um, a plus sign. If I'm, like I said, if it's a new project, a new client or whatever, is this something I haven't done before? Is that a muscle I want to learn how to flex that? That gets my juices going.
1: Yeah. And you know what it is? It's, it's that point where you get to that question. So what can I do with this?
0: Right.
2: What can I do with this?
1: All right, I'm I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to do something different. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do something so different, I'm going to make a whole lot of people nervous.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Including (laughs) yourself most often, yes.
1: (laughs) But I did learn, I think this is the other interesting thing about creativity, and and either one of you chiming on this one, I do think that there's this part of creativity that you know you're doing it right when you do make people nervous.
2: Right. Because, Especially yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 But when you see people going, well, you know, we've never done that before. And it's like, oh, really? Good. <laughs> right. It's,
2: it's that tightrope, man. It's, That's the disruptor it's, in you. Go ahead. Always, go ahead. Always, but it's
0: always that tightrope. You're just walking and you want to be, you, you want to walk without a net when you're, yeah. when you're living in your purpose. Right. So, like, I think that you have to always be pushing yourself on the edge. The best artists, you know, all the, the best artists we've ever known have always been trying to recreate themselves. Yeah. The David mm-hmm. Bowies, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Jeffrey Wrights, the Anthony Hopkins. They're always dancing on that edge of this is brand new. How does this work? And and that's the the most exciting thing on earth as opposed to doing The same rope thing over and over again. You
1: know what? Anthony Hopkins says something was I was watching an interview with him on Inside the Actors Studio, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how he developed uh, Hannibal Lecter. Mm. And one of the things he said, and it was hilarious. Um, I haven't watched Inside the Actors Studio in so long, but I love that show. And I remember he said that when he was developing a character, he said, um, he said, you know, I was sitting there and I was thinking, well, how am I going to make Hannibal Lecter? And I thought that if I wanted him to be kind of insane, he, I just couldn't go. Blah, 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 blah. He <laughs> said, but, but he said that's how he got to the part of insanity being, hello, Clarice. And mm-hmm. and it was and I was sitting there going, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there. The actor in me is going, oh,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. It's counterintuitive. It's like you would go ah, as opposed to just. Playing everything deliberate and distinct, and and,
2: right, it's so funny because I, I, so you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the name of my company is Chief Disruptive Productions, and that's how I landed on it. This idea of we don't want to do what everybody does. We want to, we want to come in and break it up. And I think that's what truly creative people do. They, they, they look at how things are in the status quo and they go, how can we do this better, right? How can we, how can I push myself to do it a little different,
1: Kalila? What was it like for you when you, when you put a client in that scary place? Because clients, every time you tell them they are risk averse different (laughs) most of the time, (laughs) every time you tell them we're gonna do something different, they're like, Okay, fine. And it sounds beautiful in a meeting. Yeah, Yeah. in a meeting, (laughs) you're like, Oh yeah, we're gonna do something, we're gonna take a different approach. Right. And then you actually get into the project (laughs) and you're like, Okay, I think we need to go in this direction. And they're going, well, no, wait, hold on now. Yeah, in higher ed, especially at HBCUs. Oh, yeah. You know, you tell folks you're going in a different direction, like you decide. Like at Dillard, there are certain photos I'll use, and people are going, oh, i use that picture. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here going, because this student looks so interesting.
2: Right. Right. This
1: student is at a lecture. And, mm-hmm. and 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 he looks interested in this mm-hmm. lecture, you know? Mm-hmm. And as, as opposed it's just, to generic.
0: Right. Stop photo. The, <laughs> right. Yeah, as, <laughs> right. As opposed
1: to the, the generic. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Random guy. Yeah. Guy number and, 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 one. So Kalila, when, when you get on the other side of the project mm-hmm. and the client says, okay, now I see what you were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are those conversations? Like, how do you manage those objections along the way?
2: Um, uh, so I am a disruptor. <laughs> it is, it is, it is my natural, um, I, I naturally go the hard way and this yeah. is this sounds crazy and it's probably terrible in some respects but it's also got me to where I am so I can't be too mad at but I've always kind of wherever the crowd goes I always go in the opposite direction mm. it's hurt me a few times in life it's been where I've missed out w- what felt like me missing out on opportunities I always classically use the example of Pledge of Delta right like mm-hmm. I wanted to pledge a beta gamma but I didn't want to go to my mentor to get a letter of recommendation because everybody was going to my mentor to get a re- letter of recommendation so I went to someone else, right? An artist, interestingly enough. And then I found out that she wasn't financial. <laughs> so I ended up yeah. not being able to get to Delta because the person I chose, because I wanted to do something different. So there yeah. are instances, so that I use that as an example of, there are times in which going against the, the status quo can hurt you. Now, ultimately, because it was my destiny to be a Delta, ultimately it all worked out, right? And that's what I believe in life. I believe, and honestly, that's how I present it to my, my clients or to anybody I work with, You know, over have worked with over the years that, yeah, we're taking a risk. And part of the risk is that this might not work. (laughs) <laughs> right like you have to be honest and saying that this this is because if you're the project manager or you're you're leading a client down a path you have to be candid and saying what the risks are yeah right yeah. but part of the risks too is um being honest about what are the risks if we don't take this chance what are the risks if we don't break outside the box because if we're doing it the way we've always done it if the intent is to grow and expand whether that's to meet a new fundraising goal if the goal is to to, <sighs> to bring greater awareness to your brand if you're doing what you've always done you already know what that's going to get you right right? so we're trying something new now it might not work and we may have to go back and try something else but you've got to you've got to buckle in for that ride that's part of the process so I think honestly it's it's not sugarcoating it going because we try something new it's going to be amazing it's we're going to try something new and we're hoping it works if it doesn't we'll go back to the drawing board you just have to be honest with people I think
1: to so, to all my colleagues who do PR marketing at HBCUs, I want you to listen to what she just said. Yeah, everything.
2: does not I want, you, yeah, to know, I not want you
1: to know that your PR <laughs> marketing people when they want to use the weird picture with the weird lighting, it's not crazy. There's a reason. Crazy. Yes, this... we want
2: your we want your work to stand out in the crowd, right? If everybody's you, here's the thing. Stock photos, this is a perfect example. Everybody goes to the same website, Getty, to get the same stock photo images. If we're all using the same thing for the customer, what what does that look like it looks like we're all selling the same thing so it if does. i come in or my client <laughs> comes in and they use something totally out the box weird or whatever now all of a sudden it's that first going back to apple is that very first time apple released a commercial if you remember in the beginning apple didn't do commercials right. and then when they dropped commercials they showed these silhouettes with people with these wild crazy hairstyles doing backflips and all this other stuff and then they had our attention in a way they hadn't before yeah. in comparison to android samsung who were not releasing anything and now here we are the cult of apple you know what i'm saying like so there's there's a there's a reason that works
1: listen you too i, I gotta really thank y'all for the conversation because this was this was extraordinarily cool um it was kind of a therapy session <laughs> by the way I, I snuck that in on y'all and don't send me your bills but <laughs> thank you very much Kalila elliott the chief disruptor and jamal jamal Detroit, Detroit stand up,
0: Detroit original. That, uh, shout out to Detroit. That's what
2: I'm talking about. Oh my god, thank you for having us on, Eddie. We sure do appreciate it. We appreciate you got it. 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 Oh, and you can tell your audience they can follow us on whatever we want with G- Jay. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll,
1: uh, absolutely. Yeah. The cross promotion thing definitely absolutely. works. So yeah. No, so,
2: yeah, you're gonna have to come on our show now so we can talk about some stuff. We'll, we'll figure out when we'll get back with you.
1: Oh, that's right, because I can drink on your show. Uh, yes, you yes. <laughs> have to drink on our show,
0: but- it's a requirement. yeah so
1: let's unpack this not being a creative doesn't mean you can't own your creativity creativity is often the difference between a game-changing solution and game-stalling fear it's a risk it's a gamble regardless of the industry the life situation or the task that you have to do everyone in some way is going to be a little bit afraid of that creativity but they could also benefit handsomely from that creativity why do you think so many job ads call for creative problem solvers because they know they have to do something that's going to make the organization different or better than it was so creativity when you think about it is a gamble it takes some guts I mean, like I mentioned before, it does take fearlessness. It strips you down and it shows everyone something about your identity and your value that's pretty vulnerable. But the thing that you realize when you decide that you're going to be creative, when you decide you're going to take that risk, you're going to take that gamble. And when you realize that it's all worth it, well, what feels like vulnerability is really an opportunity for you to get stronger. So many thanks to Kalila Elliott and Jamal Sterling for joining me on For Our Edification. Check out their podcast, by the way, whatever we want with J and K on Apple, Audible, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Player FM, and more. And check out for our edification at eddiefrancis.com slash for our edification. The podcast is available, of course, on your favorite platforms, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Apple, and more. Rate it, follow it, share it with friends, make a comment if you want. That's cool too. For Dr. Halim Malik Francis, I'm Eddie Francis. Thank you so much for downloading this edition of For Our Edification.